Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the AGD podcast series. I'm Dr. Wes Blakesley. I'll be your host today. Nothing has been more exciting and helpful in dentistry than 3D imaging. It's widely used in implantology, oral surgery, endodontics, and airway management. And radiology is now a well-deserved specialty in our profession. Today, I am very excited to introduce Dr. Satera Lavasani, a board-certified oral and maxillofacial radiologist to the AGD. So Tara, it's great to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Blakesley. It's great to be with you. So Tara, I'd like you just before we begin and take a deep dive into radiology, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe your educational background, uh, where you're working presently. Sure. So I, I was born and raised in Tehran, and I went to dental school in Dubai. And uh, after Dubai, I went to uh, Canada for a few months, and then I knew I wanted to do specialty. So then I ended up at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, uh, program of radiology, head and neck radiology. So uh, I finished the program there with a master and master in dental diagnostic sciences and a uh, certificate in oral and maxillofacial radiology in 2014. So, and then since then, I've been a faculty and uh, only radiologist at Western University College of Dental Medicine in Pomona, California. It's quite a journey, Satara. I know. I <laughs> Whenever we have international students, I'm like, guys, nobody is more international than me. Feel at home. So, <laughs> so it's nice to have seen different cultures. I really enjoy it. Oh, it's nice to have you here with us. I really appreciate it. So let's let's jump into three-dimensional imaging, which I love. I'm an implantologist. Uh, so that's my interest in dentistry and my focus. Uh, how will this add value to, uh, to our practices? Uh, I've used it for a long time, uh, but I'd like to have your opinion on, on how this really uh, can move our practice to a different level. Sure. So, uh, you know, Dr. Blakesteed, the thing is that depending on the specialty that you have, or even if you have a general GP um, office, it has a lot of benefits, including, so first of all, when you have any patient, you want to have uh, imaging. So if there's a lesion, if you see something that doesn't uh, look right to you, you want to evaluate if it's expansile, if it's causing perforation, if there's any resorption. So basically the first generalized thing is you want to do diagnosis. And then when you dig deeper, if you are a specialty clinic, you can at value, let's say if an it's an endoclinic, they want to see the mist canals, they want to evaluate root fractures, they want to look at resorptive lesions, is the resorption involved in the pulp, is it not, and also in healing assessment. So sometimes we take after and before uh, CBCTs to see if the treatment is affected. So definitely in those cases, and also cases of sinusitis, we know that most uh, sinusitis that happen in the maxillary sinus are due to odontogenic origin, but which tooth is doing it. So then CBCT can be a lot of help. And again, oral surgery, similarly to uh, implant can kind of have a lot of overlaps. You want to do oral antral communication evaluation. If you're doing extractions, if it's a third molar, you want to know the relation with IAN. And the thing is that the good thing about CT is that there's no superimposition and also there is no uh, distortion. The, the definition of distortion is unequal magnification. So with PANO and PA, we always have a level of distortion. So that's why we're like, mm, if the 
let's say the apex is not touching the IAN, don't trust it on a panel because it may actually, depending on if it's positioned, buccally or lingual. So really a lot of those uh, kind of things, again, jaw pathologies, and then if you are in ortho, airway assessment, sleep apnea, if you want to do expansion of the palate to kind of uh, the kids or even adults with sleep. Uh, um, problems and so forth so a lot of abnormalities and so forth and also in your work i'm sure you know better than me ian edentulous ridge you want to know the extension the quality the orientation of the ridge and i can give you a whole list of other stuff but i think this gives a quick uh, rundown of what it can be used for that's a great great answer actually i use my cbct today to place an implant that's and awesome. i had 1.5 millimeters to spare before I'd be into the sinus. So right, it, was, it, was, it, was very, it was very helpful today. Very nice. <laughs> very. Now, a lot of people are listening into the podcast uh, in this country, and also uh, it leaks out to other countries around the world. So we have a pretty wide audience. So if someone's listening in and they really want to, uh, uh, to purchase a CBCT machine, what are some of the specific factors that they should consider? Sure, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that's the most famous and whenever you want to go and buy a CT scan in the uh, dental conventions is the pixel size. So I will uh, explain some stuff about pixel size and then move on to other factors that we need to consider. So usually everybody says, I have the smaller pixel size. This is the smallest in the market. And the thing about that is that uh, usually when pixels get so small, they become inefficient, meaning like if they are like a bucket and they're kind of gathering rain in them, when they're so small, they will spill, they will spill to the next pixels, which is called crosstalk. So uh, we will have that kind of a problem. So don't always focus on pixel size. Smaller pixel size is good, but not the smallest necessarily. So what other stuff? Um, other things you have to take care and uh, pay attention to is the focal spot size. So like other imaging modalities like PA and uh, PANO, we need a small focal spot size to have a good special resolution. The other thing is the, for the resolution is and the quality of CBCT is the scan trajectory. What is that? The thing is that some machines can go over the head of the patient around the head for 180 degrees and give us a reconstructed volume. Some of them give us the option to go around 360 degrees, which gives it a high resolution, or they call it high-res mode. And usually it's used for tasks that you need more resolution, such as endo, when you want to know if there is a small fracture in whatever mesiobacal root, whatever root that you're looking at. So definitely scan trajectory. You want to ask what task you're... If you're doing it for implant, you may not need the 360. So that's something. The other thing is that, again, when the... Mm, the kind of the C arm is going around the patient, you have something that's called the frame rate. So every uh, few seconds, every few hundred of a second, it's get, taking an image again here, here, and then it goes around the patient's head. So the more frame rate, the more information you have from the patient and the higher resolution in your final reconstruction will be. So again, if you're going to use it for something that has high resolution need, you want to take care to have this option available to you. The other thing is that depending on the task, let's say you're an implantologist, you need a medium size of view field of 
view machine. Somebody is an oral surgeon and they're always doing a large reconstructive, like let's say different uh, types of surgeries. So they may need a large volume. So again, that's something to consider when buying a CT, depending on what you need. Endodontists need uh, the highest resolution machines that are famous in the market to be high res and also small volume. They don't need larger volume. And again, uh, the other thing is that uh, KVP and MA, you want to know what is the maximum KVP uh, so that if there are some patients that have, let's say they are a little bit larger or have more soft tissue and you want to pass that by higher energy photons, again, you don't get a lot of scatter and you'll be able to have a diagnostic image. So a lot of uh, factors go in and after you take up, think about all of these, then it's the reconstruction algorithm. So again, you wanna know how does the machine reconstruct? Then you look at their, um, let's say software, are you able to uh, like nicely look at the images? Is it user friendly and so forth? And uh, all of this put together can give you an idea and also, you want to know if they have a good customer service. You're here, you want to know uh, if the parts that you need are in the United States or if your city goes down, you need to wait for a month for something to come from another country. Definitely important. And these are the things that usually machines, when you ask around your friends or like radiologists, they can give you a clue of what machines are famous for what. Like any other thing, reputation is everything. So um, you can also count on that to kind of get an idea. So I hope this was answered your question. Great answer. Thank you. Uh, let's move on here. So Tara, what is your opinion regarding dentists reading their own CBCTs? Is there a liability issue here or anything else to consider? Sure. So in, there absolutely is a liability issue. And uh, there's been uh, a few instances that uh, actually the problem has gone to court. But separate from that, the thing is that uh, us, all of us in dental school, unless they are, we are graduating in the last two, three years, none of us were, even when I went to dental school, CBCT wasn't even invented. So none of us have a formal training in CBCT reading it. So basically knowing what is the pathology in it, how to uh, kind of uh, diagnose subtle signs of malignancy and so forth. So uh, definitely there's a lack of education and uh, of course, can, which can be overcome by taking classes. But what is important is that in the new recommendations that are out now, and it was published actually not so new in the um, Quad O journal, uh, which is, says that um, any uh, person that's taking a CBCT will be held accountable as the level of a board certified radiologist if they miss something. And that's a huge liability that dentists not knowingly are bringing up to themselves. So I know they're like, it's just a small area. I know the bone looks well and everything. I always um, not challenge them, but encourage them to attend a course that talks about pathologies in CBCT. And if they can answer all the questions or most of the questions, then they know they're good. But never think the things that they know that they don't know. So like they say, the illusion of knowing is the worst enemy that we have, you know? So uh, definitely try to uh, attend a few courses to see, hmm, okay, maybe it's small volume, but do I even know what are the subtle signs of malignancy? Actually, that's one of the classes I, is one of my most popular classes because they're like, what? We didn't know. And I am not, I don't know them because I'm smart. I know them because I went three years of residency and have been doing like 40,000 cases afterwards and a board certification on top of it. So this is what I do for a living. So this is something that I think is important to be said by a radiologist because 
um, sometimes, um, again, when you want to go in the, usually people go at, in like big conventions and they're seeing people that are selling CBCT. They say, yes, buy our CT. We have a one day maximum two day course and we show you everything. And that's the, I think that's a disservice because they are selling them a huge liability without telling them that, look, excuse me, this is not all that you need to know. You need to know further more than this. So I, I'm happy to share with you that, yes, if something is missed, it's going to be a huge trouble. And we can't, uh, uh, you know, like um, the example that I bring is that imagine if you go to a, uh, the doctor and you say, I have stomach pain. So they take a CT of your abdomen and they just look at the stomach and God forbid somebody has pancreatic cancer. And they're like, no, but we were doing the stomach. You came for stomach pain. It doesn't make sense. So any piece from A to Z of that scan is your responsibility. That's what I want to just share with you. So thank you. It's very comprehensive. So then just so we're all on the same level here, you're recommending for a, a CT imaging uh, study to be reviewed by a board certified radiologist. Absolutely. And then yeah. they will sign off on it. And then your, all of your liability goes to the radiologist. And the reason is that now, uh, maybe like 10 years ago, it would be um, the cost would be prohibiting for the dentist to even maybe refer to a radiologist. But now with the codes of teledentistry, which is asynchronous teledentistry, or you can like 9996, or you can do the other even CDT code uh, D0391, which is interpretation of an image not associated with image capture. So these are uh, what they call the young people legit legit codes that people can use and uh, it's there. So if you don't use it, probably uh, then God forbid you get into trouble. They're like, guys, the code is there. Why did you not take advice from a specialist? So, you know, but before we didn't have these codes, but now they are there. So I think it's a good idea. Sage advice. I like that. <laughs> Always be careful and protect your assets, right? Absolutely. Protect your assets. You work so, so hard. Uh, so we'll move on here. So, you know, we have a CBCT. Say so we have a, a cone beam in our office. Is seeing everything a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, let's talk about that. It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> exactly, double-edged sword. Because you want to see everything because you want to diagnose everything. So if, let's say, you're taking a uh, cone beam, you want to see the implant site, you want to see what the other teeth, neighboring teeth are doing. So it's a good thing if there's a pathology that's an incidental finding and also something that uh, just came to my mind with the incidental finding nobody goes to the dentist to find cancer you know think about it nobody wakes up in the morning okay today i'm going let's go find my cancer cancer is almost all like in our profession that i am reading scans i've found b-cell lymphoma in a 25 year old i've seen 50 year olds with metastatic breast cancer and i have all the cases and i show them all are incidental so one of them wanted to put an implant, one of them wanted to do endo. So to see everything is great because I've already uh, saved a few lives in stage one cancer or somebody that had metastatic, we were able to tell them. But it's bad if you see it, but you can't interpret it. There's a saying that they say, your eyes can't see, but your brain doesn't know. So you will look at it, but you can't comprehend and 
uh, understand that this needs further evaluation. In that sense, it would be a bad thing. So it's great that we can see more, we can diagnose more. And even uh, other than pathologies, when you see more, like many times I'm evaluating a CT scan for implants, but I find two, three other endo, endo areas that are uh, not good. So I refer it to endo, you can get re-endo, it's good for the patient and also it's a revenue for the office. So you will see areas that you can help the patient. And also, you know, so I think it's about uh, good, good and bad could be exactly both sides. Good, thank you. I like that. Uh, Sitara, what misconceptions do you think uh, there are that can act as a barrier for dentists to refer to a radiologist like yourself? You know, uh, misconceptions, the first one that I think is the, as I mentioned before, I think is the illusion that people think that they know and they think that, uh, like dentists think that because this a small volume is only for an implant, they know what they're looking at. So one could be that one and uh, the other misconceptions, I don't think there is much. Okay, there's maybe one that not a lot of radiologists are uh, speakers. So many now um, our specialty is relatively new, you know, it's been there for uh, less than 20 years or like about that. So um, as a recognized specialty. So I think more people need to go out as myself and some of my colleagues to educate people, to tell them what is it about, how it can help you and how my expertise can add value to your practice. Because if you don't know, like now I'm like, a pathologist how can they and then when a pathologist comes and gives a lecture I'm like oh my god look at all the things like oral medicine I was seeing and I didn't know what it is look at what it end up being so I think the first step is education and who can educate radiologists so I encourage my colleagues to go out show what you have and tell people how you can help them because in the dental community we have to kind of work collaboratively to uh, give the best result to our patients so Definitely, we have to educate, go out there, see what we have, and that would kind of break down the barriers because many dentists don't know even like there is a, a radiology specialty or like how to uh, refer to radiologists. So something. Well, like let's talk about that. That's a great point. There's not that many of you, and I know that. <laughs> so, uh, so access to a board-certified uh, radiologist. How how can people find? professionals like yourself to uh, refer to? Sure. So uh, they can go to the American Board of Oral Radiology, ABOMR, and the list of all board-certified radiologists that are active members are there depending on what uh, state they are. And the good thing about radiology is that it's considered telemedicine. So if somebody is in New York, they can um, uh, send their cases to Florida. Florida can send to California. So it's kind of a mobile kind of a license. So you have to have an active license in one state and then you can uh, refer. So that's a really great idea. So whenever you see them, radiologists and get to know them, the ones that you like to have a, a professional relation with them, you can send your cases to them and each of them, it's so easy these days with uh, HIPAA compliant websites, you just drag and drop your CT, they get it, they write the report, send you back and just as easy as fast as that and you're out of the liability and you also are confident, you know, because many times uh, you even have a small question and it's like, okay, what should I do with this? So there can be like five uh, different types of answers for one question or the lesion, you don't know what it is or like even a small radio opacity. You're like, 
it's within normal limits. So the radiologist can say, yes, it's okay. Don't do anything. This reassurance means a lot because if you don't know, you're like, what am I gonna do? Is it cancer? Is it not? Is it whatever? So within normal limits, sometimes they will say it is like, let's say periapical radiology, periapical radiolucency, send it to endodontist. So they will help you in a specialty referral. They are like, this is not a tumor or something. This is of odontogenic inflammatory, okay. Sometimes it says, uh, we see something and they're like, you know, this is kind of borderline. Can you rescan and reevaluate it? So it will help you to have a solid ground to tell your patients, you know, this is something we are watching for you. So don't worry, something of like that. So different things, or sometimes we say, no, we need to take a biopsy. Please refer to biopsy and then goes to oral surgery. Sometimes we say, uh, let's say it needs further imaging. Let's say it's a TMJ case, person has pain. So I see there's a lot of erosion. There is kind of flattening facet formation. And I say, please send it to MRI because I want to see the disc surrounding tissues and the muscles, if there is inflammation, if there is joint effusion. So all of these routes that we can send uh, and guide the dentist are the benefits of having a relationship and a kind of a referral system to an oral radiologist. And that, I believe, is a great value to add to any practice. I agree 100%. Uh, so Tara, let's go in another direction right now. Uh, I'd like to talk about other things that can be done with CBCT volume, possibly 3D printing, uh, 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 implant guide uh, fabrication, and, and so on. Uh, Sure. So um, a lot of things can be done. So the, from what you already mentioned is that, of course, 3D printing, very, very easy. You convert the DICOMs to STL file, you export them. Now 3D printers are so inexpensive, so you can have different uh, printing. So one of the things that they do, and it's really amazing and fascinating, is that sometimes there are many large jaw lesions and tumors. So they print the uh, jaw with the same tumor so that they will adjust whatever, let's say, um, graft that they want to put. Is it tibia? Is it something? So they will shape it in the same uh, shape, same size, that it will exactly fit so that it will reduce the operation time, morbidity time, and so forth. So definitely pre-op preparation for any type of surgery so that you have the exact sizes and so forth. So the other things is that you can, of course, print your... Uh, a static guide for implants. So the stand that you can print is the for your, uh, let's say, uh, surgery. So that's the static. And um, one step further than that is the dynamic guides, which is by uh, different companies. But one of them that I know of is the XNAV that has the X guide. So it's really fascinating. And you can just like in real time, know what orientation you're going in and what depth are you going in and when it when you deviate it's going to show yellow and then red it's like tick, 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 tick. no tick, tick. so it's really fascinating so it's happening and also this is happening for endo too for um less uh, basically less uh, removal of dentine or enamel so it's like what they say uh, minimally invasive procedures and also sometimes when there are uh, calcified canals we see the canal but if you go by yourself you can't find it so with the xnav you go on top of it and it's like yes go down and then you go all the way it's almost like miracle if you would talk about this with me i'd be like what are you talking about? So it's really, really fascinating stuff. So things are going forward in a very fast uh, and exciting uh, thing. So, but what I've learned is that CT, CBCT is the 
kind of like the highway that everything passes from it. So we need the CBCT data. So if you have the CBCT machine, that's a great start. You can do the different intraoral scanning, attach the, all the bells and whistles and so forth. So Tara, as a radiologist, uh, what other upcoming technologies uh, excite you that are you think are coming in uh, that maybe we need to know about? Well, well, from the things that I'm reading and kind of uh, looking at different uh, platforms and so forth, I personally am really looking forward to MRIs in the office, MRI in the radiology setting office or even in diagnostic uh, offices because many times TMJ problems uh, need an MRI, but MRI is costly, the MRI, the medical MRI, and sometimes the protocols that they use is, uh, you know, like how we have the medical CT that has a lot of dose and then it's not as um, high resolution and our CBCD has very high resolution. So I'm looking forward to that. And I've seen a few prototypes that they are even smaller than the cone beam. So, and you know that MRI doesn't have any radiation. So to see the joints and all the problems associated with the joints, uh, I am excited a little bit about uh, also ultrasound. So ultrasound coming to dental and there's a lot of soft tissue problems that we can evaluate with that. And the other thing I'm excited about is the kind of uberization in dentistry with all the COVID things that happen and all the teledentistry things, a lot of uh, kind of, there's a paradigm shift I'm seeing and a lot of uh, places that I read and some uh, meetings that I've had with a few people who are in this uh, kind of uh, profession are that uh, sometimes uh, dentists want to send uh, their hygienists, people who take x-rays, on a moving car and send it to underserved and un, uninsured and underinsured areas. So now it's like the dentist and the hygienist are going to places. So imagine, and they, they are cloud-based. So you as a dentist can be like, okay, one day today is that I'm gonna look at all the images that my hygienist took down in the field in wherever. So you can have a plan for them. She can take all the x-rays and you can have an in-house hygienist and then the other hygienist is out. So unimaginable amount of growth for any office and also uh, service to the community. So I am so passionate and so excited for that. And I hope to be a part of it as a radiologist. So a lot of uh, exciting things coming up and uh, I really hope to be able to serve the underserved because even our school is in a, area that we see a lot of these patients and I can imagine if the vans of dentistry with complete dental equipment that are already there uh, go to their places so they're like one day in one school all the people are coming to get checked and then uh, I think that's really needed and that's a good thing to do. That's a, that's a great vision Satara I love that going out to the community that's, yes. that's what we do it's what we're all about Absolutely. in our profession. Well, we are just about out of time, and this just flew by today. And uh, on the behalf of the Academy of General Dentistry, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know how busy you are to share your expertise and your uh, your vision and your thoughts with us. Uh, it was really a pleasure. If any member wants to reach out to you and have you uh, you know consult with you about uh, imaging studies that they have, what's the best way for them to reach you? Sure, they can go to my website. It's slavasani.com. Uh, so 
eslavosanidds.com is my, and all of my social media, my contact and everything is there. So eslavosanidds. Excellent. Again, thank you very much. I enjoyed this. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation to the Academy and uh, Dr. Blakesley. Hope you have a great day. It's our pleasure.